Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Another week of the Crescent podcast, and for those who may have missed the announcement on Instagram, I am now going to start releasing podcast episodes on Mondays, just to test it out for a little bit. I, from what I've researched and seen, Mondays tend to be a great day to release new episodes, so people have fresh content for the week. They're, you know, they want something to listen to on the way to work, on the way home. Whereas sometimes releasing them on Fridays, maybe people are just ready to check out for the weekend and aren't looking for anything too intense to consume. So I'm going to try it out for a little bit and we will see how it goes. But with that, diving right into today's episode, this is with psychologist Virginia Dixon. And to give a little bit of background, I met her through Cancer Center for Healing. So she is the director of healing at the Cancer Center for Healing. Um, Maybe it's director of inner peace. I'll have to check that out. But she's the psychologist there. She works mostly with many of the cancer patients, many of whom have been told they have just months to live. So she works with very, very delicate situations and she's so incredibly impactful at it. And I think as you listen to the rest of the interview, you will begin to understand why. And I mentioned this in the interview too, but one of the things that immediately attracted me to her that created such a connection was her energy is so pure and so genuine that when you're sitting there with her you don't feel like you're just another patient who is coming to work through whatever the problems or the trauma may be you really feel that every ounce of her being is so incredibly present with you and tuned in with you to really help you begin to find what the root cause of your dis-ease is and so what I love about this interview is she really breaks down that disease is a symptom of internal dis-ease and internal chaos and confusion. And she walks through her unique form of rest. And each of those stands for, each of the letters in rest stands for a specific thing. And so she really breaks down what is her rest method and how does she help people find the truths within themselves and then release all of that past trauma, all of this confusion and chaos and dis-ease so that they can then find peace and what she says, you know, is freedom, mental, emotional, spiritual freedom. So I truly could have quoted, you know, taken a hundred quotes from this interview. For me, it was so incredibly insightful. So I hope you all enjoy it just as much. If you do, please share with someone who you think it could be very valuable for. As always, anything mentioned in the episode, I will link in the show notes so you can easily find, you know, if we talk about a YouTube video or a book, I'll link it so you can easily find it. But with that, enjoy this interview with Virginia Dixon. 
Okay, well, welcome Virginia Dixon to the Crescent Podcast. I'm ecstatic to be here, first of all, in the villa, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on, but ecstatic to have you on just to share your incredibly healing energy, your wisdom, your insights. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. Thank you. So I always have the guests give their mm. own background. So where are you from? What was your childhood like? Where? How did you get to where you are today. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Montevideo, Uruguay. And I lived there until mid 60s. Oh, wow. Okay. Fidel Castro was rallying for support during a time of great political upheaval in Cuba. And as is the case often throughout the world, but he was advancing the cause of his worldview. And when my father saw the support, he was rallying for the revolution. He said, I'm getting my family out of the country. Hmm. As Providence would have it, the university or school where he was teaching had a research opportunity in New York and we came to America. It was a nation in a state of unrest that we left. Mm. He came to one to do research experiencing a civil war of values because in the 60s, New York in the 60s was not a pretty place. Wow. There was a lot of um, racial conflict. Hmm. Oh my gosh, it's so weird how much it mirrors Exactly what's happening. Yeah. But I remember being seven years old and looking around me and thinking something's wrong. Mm. I was one of my brother and my my brother and I were one of few children in an all black school. We lived in C Connecticut mm. at the time, Winchester um, in Connecticut, actually. I don't remember exactly the town. Um, but I remember there was some conflict that erupted in the classroom and my brother's face was completely gouged. And I remember coming home from school feeling terrified mm. and thinking somebody's lying to us because I don't, we don't hate them. They don't hate us. These were our friends. Mm. But there was an emerging, emerging conflict that I didn't understand. So I remember the thought at that time was confusion, chaos, and dis-ease lead to disease and illness. Mm. And there's an illness emerging. And in some way, intuitively, as a child, I saw that dissension take mm. place before my eyes. I don't know that I could articulate it like that at the time, but I do remember that a pivotal thought was somebody's lying. Mm. Fast forward, we zigzagged through the United States, visited almost every state, and ended up in California. My father loved the ocean and warm weather. So we moved to L.A. County. We lived in Lakewood. And um, shortly after that, my mom left us. And after my mom left, we were raised only by my father. So what ended up happening was we were very much latchkey kids when it wasn't a popular thing. 
And that was disconcerting to my father. So we went back to South America. So I was educated in two countries. Okay, I spent a long period of time there. But I think the long and the short of it is this. We left a country in political turmoil, came to one experiencing a civil war of values, the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that we experienced here began to be pivotal to what would shape my worldview. Mm-hmm. Because I realized these, there's something sacred about our common humanity. And there's something dark that emerges in times of conflict. And people are set and pitted kind of one against another because division has to happen for one side Mm. to overpower the other. And the consequence of that experience has shaped my worldview, frankly. Wow. I remember being in high school. Fast forward a lot of relevant details that we don't have time for, but I remember being in high school and reading the Federalist Papers the last semester of my AP government class. And I thought I found the goose that laid the golden egg because it was at that time that I recognized, holy cow, my history books are telling me a different story. So I saw a disparity between my history books and primary sources. So then I read the Constitution. I took interest, I should say, in the Constitution and other things. And then I realized, hold on, something's happening here. There's an undercurrent. There's a worldview. There's a philosophy that's undermining this form of civil government, causing what? Confusion, chaos, dis-ease. And you and I know that confusion, chaos, and dis-ease lead to illness, right? Yeah. Lead to disease and illness. Yeah. And so I thought, we've got to address this growing cancer in the world of ideas. Mm. And where do you do that? Politics. Why? Because then you get into government, right? Okay, so you wanted to get into government originally? Yes. Politics. I, I, okay. I th- not politics so much. I thought I need to be an attorney oh, because okay. that's where things are reconciled in the mm. courts of law. And another long story, but that did not become possible. So I thought the next reasonable place is to study something in the social sciences. So I thought I'll just go to the heart of the matter, the soul of a man. Right Where ideas are reconciled, where conflict, confusion, chaos, and disease is reconciled, Mm -hmm. which is that where? The soul. Oh, boy, I'm going to study psychology. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the limitations of that pursuit because they didn't account for the spirit of a man in a way that was congruent with philosophy and theology. And so I thought, wait a minute, how do you help a person heal if you don't take into account the spiritual constitution of a man. And you can't take into account the spiritual constitution of a man without discussing theology and philosophy, which Mm. are, theology is taboo in universities. You're not allowed to discuss theology. Mm. So then I thought, no, this is a limited pursuit of, this is a limited platform, clinical psychology would be a limited platform for me to address that. And so frankly, 
It was the limitation of all the specializations and disciplines that caused me to say, I need to step out of all this and and I need a desert experience. I need to reason. I need to think. Mm. And I began to examine what's true and what's not about God is or God isn't and how that relates to every other discipline. So I thought there's a thread here that I must reason through before I can understand how I can best contribute in making the most critical necessary changes um, and making the world a better place. Yeah. What's my going to be my contribution on this side of eternity, right? So I just, I was sitting at UCI, to be frank with you, and there was a class, I was in a lecture hall with several hundred students and I'll never forget how outrageous what the professor began to say was but what was more outrageous was the posturing before he made his conclusion Hmm. and I looked around that lecture hall and I saw how he captivated the attention of the class and everything inside of me said no 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 What he was saying violated my conscience. Hmm. So I thought, something's wrong here. And I remember I was so discouraged. But it was the experience that catapulted me into reconciling what is this confusion, chaos, and dis-ease at the pulse of my life experiences. What is the anatomy of this? And how is this to be reconciled? Mm. And real quick, so that experience, was that, because I know you did a bachelor's in psychology and you were pursuing a PhD. Was that the an experience in your PhD? It was, no, it was in undergraduate studies. Oh, okay, okay. Yep, and I had been accepted into a master's and graduate program, but I chose not to. Because I it was just so limiting. Saw, I, I just realized, and I, and again, I, at the time, I didn't have the capacity to speak to it well, but I realized that we had become so specialized mm-hmm. in all these disciplines that we lost what is sacred about our common humanity. But then I began to reason. The reason we lost what's sacred about our common humanity in this country is because you lost your story. I'm an immigrant, so I looked at everything as a guest in somebody's Mm. beautiful home. And I did what we all do. We step into confusion, chaos, and disease. And what do we all try to do? We try to make sense of it. So the story of really how I got to rest was a desire to make sense of and resolve a perpetual conflict that I observed in institutions, from governments to academia to literature to conflicting literature, Mm. primary sources versus interpretation of those primary sources, to people, to, to relationships, to people, to how individuals process. And I think that's what ultimately led me back to where I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And that's to understand 
what are the parts, the, the, the pieces that make us human, right? And how do we reconcile the conversation between those things? Mm-hmm. So I think initially I started with govern, I, an observation about governments and lies, confusion, chaos, and disease there. Mm-hmm. And then I observed it, wait, in the literature and the education. You have primary sources and then you have the interpretation of those primary sources, right? And they're in conflict. Well, when something like that's in conflict, where are you going to go? the primary sources. And then I began to observe how those academic institutions were structured. And then I saw money, power, politics Mm -hmm. in it all. And then I went to wait, there's there's a, a better way to address all this. And all of that led me to the discussion of the philosophy and the theology of psychoneuroimmunology. How are these narratives put together? Where do ideas come from? Mm-hmm. How do they shape how a person lives, how they love, right? The, the things they pursue. And then how do I help the individual? Because I think that to bring about any significant change, And in my world, change was to displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease with clarity, order, and ease in order that people can live free. Mm. Right? Mm, I love that. It's about freedom. Well, you can't have freedom without examining foundations, right? And you can't examine foundations without exploring the truth of everything, recklessly pursuing truth. And to do that, you need to be willing to, to reconcile, first of all, the conflict within yourself so you cannot be reactive about people and ideas. Because when we don't have a clear sense of who we are, what we believe, why we believe it, and that discussion doesn't happen in the context, in the pursuit, I should say, of freedom examining the foundations that shape our own lives, and I'm talking about generationally, Hmm. right? And pursuing the truth in that pilgrimage, if we don't have the courage to do that, we're not reconciled within ourselves. Hmm. So if we're not reconciled within ourselves, right, how do we bring any sense of clarity, order, and ease to our primary spheres of influence, to our own relationships, to our own children, to our homes, to our places of worship, and to the state, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But we're living in a time of great, what, unrest. So I've reasoned that my pilgrimage to rest, which, as you know, I'm, I'm writing academic papers on rest, the reconstitution approach to healing. And as you know, I've just experienced incredible results from walking people through that um, paradigm. Mm -hmm. If we are not able to intentionally examine ourselves and see these facets of who we are in the context of our constitution, which is a spirit, a soul, and our body, and Mm -hmm. weave that in the context of our, with our philosophy and our theology, if we're not able to bring all those things into alignment, it's almost impossible to heal. Mm. 
And I experienced that, as you well know, Leanne, in a clinical setting. I have the privilege of working with an amazing doctor, Dr. Lee Aaron Keneally, and a team of practitioners there for five years. And so she's given me so much liberty to bring in this concept of rest and helping people heal that um, that that's where that kind of pursuit, that's where those convictions and those observations that began very early in my life led me. Mm. I, know. I don't know if that's a little bit confusing. No. Interrupt me well, at we'll any break time. It, we'll break it down more too, but I will interject here real quick that this is where we met. We met at Cancer Center for Healing, Center for New Medicine. Mm -hmm. And I'm forever grateful. And I have to say, I had never done any kind of therapy or counseling before you. You were my first experience. And the reason for that was because I had heard so many friends and family talk about really negative experiences with their therapists or their counselors or very, I would say, vanilla experiences where mm -hmm. they felt like they could get something off their chest. But you know, two years later, three years later, they were still in the same place. And so what I loved right off the bat, first of all, I have to say this was, again, the level, the energy that you bring. When I was sitting there with you, I could palpably feel mm. how present you were, how genuinely you cared. And exactly this, I'll say, full being approach yes. to healing was, you know, we talked about it's not just about healing your physical body. It's not just about healing your emotional being. It's about healing your spiritual being as well. And then I also love that you brought into that as part of it some, you know, we were doing Evox. We were talking about doing Saris that one day. And, you know, we'll get into that later on in the episode. But again, you come at health and emotional health from such a well-rounded perspective. And so for me right away, that so connects It deeply. resonated. Absolutely, because that is my whole, mm -hmm. you know, that's what a crescent is. It's mm -hmm. ever growing. It's full being expansion. Mm -hmm. I, that just makes my soul sing. I can't even explain how satisfying that is. Hmm. Because in my observation, because we've fragmented all the disciplines and the discussion of all the disciplines into specializations, if you will, mm -hmm. or areas of specialties, right? We are missing the whole for the pieces. We're sacrificing what is sacred about the whole for the pieces. Mm -hmm. And I believe the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, those three things are what seduce us, right, to do so because it gives us power hmm. and it gives us authority. And we all want power and authority. And it is a lie that anything sustainable can be given light and life and liberty in the constraints of that kind of power. Hmm. I think it will die a natural death because the power and the authority land to heal is inside each respective individual. And you're a guide. 
your guide to that. That's right. Mm -hmm. I only facilitate what you already know you need to do Mm -hmm. and what your body and every fiber of your body consistently, recklessly lives to do, which Mm -hmm. is sustain your life. Mm -hmm. How arrogant that I can bring anything outside of that better than what you already have to heal. Mm -hmm. I do not believe in a diagnosis for mental health. Mm -hmm. I reject it. I think mental health is about a broken heart and a shattered soul. That's it. Mm -hmm. That means misalignment. So I do not diagnose, I do not treat, and I do not cure. There are amazing neuroscientists, there are amazing mental health professionals, there are amazing doctors whose work and research I respect. Perhaps among the greatest is Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. And I've had the privilege of studying under him and other neuroscientists that are just brilliant in their field. Mm -hmm. So I'm not meaning to minimize or undermine the work of amazing scientists. They're few and far between. And it's like finding a needle in a haystack. So what makes them different? Where do you think, what's the place that that should have, those sciences should have? What makes Dr. Vanderkolk, right? Mm -hmm. Honestly? Yeah, what makes him stand out so much? He spoke what I recognized in that lecture hall Mm. almost 40 years ago. And I will quote, early childhood developmental trauma has greater impact in destabilizing the constituents, the spirit, the soul, and the body of a person than being in ground zero at 9-11. Wow. Because that child, that infant, that baby does not have the capacity or the ability at that time to speak or to move. Mm Mm-hmm. So the central nervous system, the anatomy, the constitution that's meant to flow and work together with energy doesn't have the capacity to displace the trauma in any way. Mm-hmm. That's Virginia speaking. <laughs> Dr. Van der Kolk did extensive research on early childhood developmental trauma funded by the powers that be in the field of psychology. And they rejected multiple times the findings of the research claiming it was insufficient to draw conclusions. Mm -hmm. That early childhood developmental trauma, that means you grew up in a home with confusion, chaos, and dis-ease. Now, there's a huge spectrum in that that we don't have time to get into right now. But the point is, his conclusion was that the people we're working with in developing excellent mental health resources are sicker than the people we're working for, which is our patients or our clients or those we coach. Because every single person right now in your listening audience knows this. 
They didn't need $50 million worth of research to know that early childhood developmental trauma, not just the one they experienced, but the ones that their parents, 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 right? Because our stories don't begin at home. They Mm -hmm. begin in the home of our parents, 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 three, four generations deep, has had a tremendous impact on how they feel, what they know about how they feel and how they think. And it can be crippling in the course of their lifetime. And it can manifest. I displace that. Yeah, mm-hmm. rest is a reconstitution approach to healing. Rest is simply a the philosophy and theology of psychoneuroimmunology that accounts for that and mm-hmm. displaces that confusion, chaos, and disease. But here's the power of it. That the facilitator just facilitates it. But all the power immediately from the moment you stepped in my office, you knew the power was in your hands, not mine. Hmm, I did one simple thing for you, Leanne, and we do this with every single person that walks through our door. I help you understand the narrative of that story you carry in your anatomy. Mm -hmm. And it goes, like I said, it didn't begin at home. It's in the home of the home of the home of your parents, 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 right? Yeah. That anatomy, the constitution of that anatomy, that intelligence, that story, that heritage, you know that. Your body knows that. And I use knowing and understanding loosely, but just in the most practical of ways. But your soul, your heart, your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, your feelings, that is the constitution of your soul that dwells right here in the cavity of your chest. That's where understanding is negotiated. The disparity between the narratives you tell yourself in your soul, your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, and your feelings, right? The disparity between that narrative and what your body knows, that's the anatomy of disease. Hmm. Because if your body knows that... Something's unreconciled. Unreconciled. Generationally, by the way. Mm -hmm. Not just within you, but generationally. Because our DNA can hold... I learned this at cancer center for healing our dna can hold trauma from nine generations back absolutely 100 percent. and it is in the forefront of your thoughts three and four generations back oh, wow. and you cannot believe the matrix and the resources that i use and how powerful to quickly find those things and how un we're, we're gonna have to do a podcast on that because mm-hmm. it's a fascinating discussion but the dis- I think what I want to leave your listening audience with and just revisit with you is the disparity between that narrative that's contained in your body and every fiber of your being and the narrative that you tell yourself from what? What's on your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, and your feelings. By the way, feelings are a, con- a function of the soul. Em- they emote through the limbic system, the brain. Those are two different things, Okay. Another big conversation we can't get into, (laughs) but that's okay. The disparity between the narrative that your body's holding on to and that which your soul, right, reveals, Hmm. there is the anatomy of disease. That's why the first day you set foot in my office, the first time I encounter anybody, I'm trying to immediately determine what is the disparity between what you're telling me 
because I absolutely listen with my soul, with my heart. I listen to yours. But I need to tell the disparity between the narrative of your story that you're telling me, which is your belief systems, Mm -hmm. and what your body's revealing that you know. Mm -hmm. Because the disparity between those two things, that's the anatomy of disease. And if I can help people reconcile those two narratives, they're going to heal. Yeah. By the way, healing is about freedom. It's not about a cure. We all have an appointment with destiny, and not one of us is going to escape it. But on the pilgrimage to that appointment, right, we can be free. So whether you have a day, a week, and as you know, I work with people that have sometimes a very limited amount to live, and sometimes we don't know. Well, most of the time we don't know, right? And But I know this, that my goal is to save their soul so they can live free. And to do that, I need to examine those foundations so I can determine the disparity between those things. And then I need to help them face the truth of those things. Mm -hmm. And I can only do it in as much as they consent and give me access. Sometimes it can be a very quick process, as it was with you. Sometimes it can be a lengthy and complicated process. By the way, it's not because they're lying to me and it's not because they don't have a desire to. More often than not, it's because there's different levels of congestions in that center cavity of the soul. Mm. And sometimes when there's been severe, severe generational or um, personal trauma that they've experienced, the body can, the brain dissociates to keep the uh-huh. body alive. Yeah. Right? We dissociate to yeah. keep the body alive. So there are some complexities in negotiating all that. But here's the key about rest, the reconstitution method, that I facilitate an individual's pilgrimage out of that. But they're always in control, mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So with that, let's get into rest because I know each letter stands for something specific Mm -hmm. and a little bit. I do want you to explain just a little bit. I think you've touched on it a bit, how you specifically developed the rest. And then I want to talk about what is it about childhood trauma that creates unrest and then how do we find rest? How do we find rest? Yeah. Okay. I love so let's, that question. What is rest? First of all, it's woven into, for me, I'll talk about how I developed rest. Okay. Every single, re- let, let me just start here. This is probably the best place to start and wrap the first part of our story into this. Okay. I'm an immigrant. I was born in Montevideo, Uruguay, like I mentioned. But my story didn't begin there. 37% of my DNA is French. 47% of my DNA is Italian. The rest is Swedish Hmm. and a little bit of Jewish and German. When I began to study the anatomy of my heritage, I began to realize how rest wasn't really my idea. Hmm. It was Virginia Dixon reconciling a generational conflict. So the beautiful side of life, regardless of where you find yourself, and Leanne, you know, I believe in this adamantly, because I've woven some of this into your story, is no matter what the anatomy of our constitution is, and of our heritage and of our ancestors, we have an opportunity on this side of eternity to step into that stage and say, wow, I 
get to go on this incredible pilgrimage of relational, emotional, and spiritual truth where I can examine the life of my heart, my theology, and my philosophy, the role of relationships, how I attached, the meaning of pictures, neurologically, how did all that organize itself in my brain, and the power of our story, the value of our story. That's what we do. When I can invite people into this place of rest, relational, emotional, and spiritual truth, that means it starts inside of you. And you've got that narrative beautifully illustrated inside of your constituents, your spirit, your soul, your body. And as I come alongside of you and we really explore, how do you evaluate what's true and what's not? So the life of the heart, right, is, is really regulated by your view of what's true or what isn't. The role of relationships, how did you attach, right? Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, the constitution of attachment is really fascinating. I'll discuss that if we have a moment in what follows. The meaning of pictures, how neurologically did that brain wire itself to respond to the world around it? We know The memory experts, I should say, tell us that six weeks after conception, the brain begins to document memory. After conception. Conception. Not birth, conception. Right. Wow. Not only does the brain begin to record memory six weeks after conception, but the DNA, to your earlier point, of the constitution of that developing baby they have found that 97% is uncoded DNA. Only 3% is coded. Do you know what that means? That 97% of what, of that developing baby is preparing it physiologically, neurologically, and I would argue emotionally too, to cope, to interact with the environment it's being born into. And then the value of that story. I always say, right, so rest, relational, emotional, spiritual, truth. How do I help people get there? By those four things. Mm -hmm. I help them examine the life of their heart, the role of their relationships, the meaning of pictures, and the value of their story. Every single person that is done working with me, the prism through which they view their life and their experiences and their story has expanded beyond what they could ever imagine. Mm, Yeah. And they feel free. That is the anatomy of freedom. Mm -hmm. But we had to examine the foundations that shape their life. And we had to explore the truth of those. Yeah. If I could add one more thing. If you think about it in the form of a triangle, freedom on top, examining foundations on the bottom, and then truth on the left, all of those things are kind of external exercises. So I want to talk about the internal function of freedom is liberty Mm -hmm. to get really practical. Mm -hmm. The internal function of examining foundations, that takes courage. Absolutely. And the internal function of truth is virtue, morality. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, Yeah. 
So the internal function of those things we do, by the time I'm done working with people, they just interpret reality and their experiences and everything differently because of that matrix. Mm. I help them understand once they have a glimpse of that constitution, I help them understand how it is they dissent when things fall apart. Because the number one question I hear from everybody is, I have no idea. Well, first of all, I'm devastated. Mm. Either I'm scared, I can't get out of bed, or I don't want to die. Or, But the bottom line, the, the fundamental sentiment is, I'm shocked. I have no idea how I got here. Hmm. And I love hearing that because guess what? Oh, you came to the right place. Yeah. Let's unwrap this together. Yeah. I don't diagnose and I don't treat and I don't cure because the diagnosis is that brokenness we all have inside of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how that manifests in different people might be what other people would diagnose as an illness. As right? an illness. And I don't. I, mm-hmm. I diagnose this as a dis-ease. But if you're in a state of dis-ease, that means there's not alignment in your constituents. Look, there's a complexity to this, okay? But the complexity is more reconciled, not with pills and medication. Mm-hmm. It's reconciled by taking what they know, what they're carrying, this narrative and understanding. Mm -hmm. It's reconciled by every single, by aligning the spirit, the soul, the body, by aligning the constitution of their soul, their mind, their heart, their will, their conscience, and their feelings. That's where the complexity lies, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I know that that feels complicated right now because I can't get into it, but perhaps... I can give you an example yeah, of yeah, that. Please. 37-year-old woman has an 11-year-old child. She's a single mom. All of a sudden can't get out of bed, struggling with energy, but desperately wants more. Difficulty with anxiety. She says, I don't know what kind of came over me. I haven't made the best choices in my life. I regret many things. My husband's very successful. My ex-husband is very successful. He now has a new girlfriend. But I have to figure out what, what's happening to me. And I want more. I want better. I want more. I need to heal. I began, I scanned. You brought up Evox. Mm-hmm. I scanned her with Evox. Because that's the fastest way I can determine what the body's holding on to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Evox is a complex system. People hear this and they say, oh, I need to get an Evox machine. I need to, no, it's more complicated than that. That Evox scan is going to explain to me with great clarity what this body's holding on to. Mm-hmm. In this particular moment in time? In this particular moment uh-huh. in time, given what we're discussing right now, it is incredibly well fine-tuned mm-hmm. to a theme, to a topic, to a subject. subject. Then I go right to it. After I do that 30-second scan, I ask the person, does this mean anything to you? And in the case of this particular case study, she said, it said, fear of asphyxiating, of burning alive. Um, and oh this God, is, this is I heard this, oh yeah, afraid of smoke, 
fear of dying from inhaling fumes. Mm-hmm. I just read this declarative statement about what the body's holding on to. Have you, so naturally I ask, have you been in an accident? Have you ever been in a burning house? Did your mom experience any trauma? That, no, 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 no. So I thought that was perplexed, perplexing. Mm-hmm. Because I was perplexed. Yeah. I thought it was perplexing because I'd never, I know this thing, I, I know that the body doesn't lie. How about yeah. that? The body never lies the to me. The body keeps the score. The body keeps the score. <laughs> now, she might not have been in the game, uh-huh. but she inherited the scorecard, yeah. let's say. yeah. So then I asked her about her mom and I asked her about her grandma and then she gasped and communicated a narrative of what transpired with the grandmother who had had a very violent suicide, Mm. who succeeded after five suicide attempts. She succeeded in finally taking her life and it was congruent with her which what her body's carrying so what did i know instantly she's born in the same genetic she's bearing the same genetic constitution she's in the same line as her mom and we'll unwrap that when we do a whole thing on genealogy and how all those things are passed on but the point is guess how old her mother was when her grandma took her life 37 the same age. 11 the, the same age as her son oh, 11 okay. years old Okay. And guess what was coming up? And was that right when her mother, her grandmother killed herself? Right. Oh, wow. And her son was going to turn 11 years old. And so her body is carrying the trauma from smoke and inhalation and all of this problems. And we traced it right along that line. And it was gone. The conflict was resolved. Wow. Fine. It was finished. Is that unbelievable? I mean, it's just, it's so... Did that make sense? It totally makes sense. And it's just, it. I love the power of Evox, but the way you use it and interpret it, because mm-hmm. I just don't think we are in tune enough with our bodies anymore to recognize mm-hmm. when we are in dis-ease. Instead, we've been trained by, unfortunately, the medical society, mainstream media, whatever. Exactly. That... If you have any kind of negative symptom, it's purely physiological and there is some drug or treatment to resolve it. Now, I think there's treatments like Evox and Saracet that have a place that can really make positive shifts. But at the root of it, you still need to know why. Why is this here? What's the root of this? Mm -hmm. And so often physiological manifestations of illness are just that manifestations of a deeper emotional and it doesn't belong to you yeah it was passed on to you but you know the beauty of it being passed on to you you get to reconcile it and we have and for them for you and for them and it has generational consequences i think past and future to be honest with you Mm. i think when we resolve these generational conflicts i think it has implications in, I think it has implica- implications beyond what I'll ever comprehend in my lifetime. Mm. The thing with me is, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. I want results. I invite people into a place of rest so they rec- they can reconcile the conversation between their spirit, their soul, and their body so they can come into alignment. And I help them do that by examining the life of their heart 
the role of relationships, the meaning of pictures, and the value of those stories. Mm -hmm. Because remember, it's all about the story. At the end of the day, it is all about the story. But who has the story? You do. Not an institution, not an mm -hmm. academy, not a, not a hospital. They don't have the story. You have the story. So, and there's so much that we could talk about this. I mean, honestly, Leanne, we could sit here and unwrap components and facets and dimensions of this that cover every single discipline. Mm -hmm. every single discipline but I think the point you made is really important we need to look at the root cause of things and we need to look at all the moving parts mm -hmm. and the moving parts of your listening audience are this you are an eternal spirit working through a soul in the center cavity of your chest that transmits these electric magnetic fields and these frequencies to your brain and your body so by the time you have an autoimmune disease, by the time you have diabetes or cancer or anything like that, I think those things are beautiful because those things are your body saying, I'm in a state of disease now. Mm -hmm. Can you figure out what the dis-ease, the confusion and the conflict is so that we can all come into alignment? Mm -hmm. That's how I see healing. Yeah, the I symptoms see are healing. Signs. The symptoms are signs. Mm -hmm. That's why when they talk about placebo I don't know what I think about placebo I don't even like to read all the literature because I think it all gets so confusing I am observer of human behavior I love the study of philosophy and theology and I love to learn from the Bessel van der Kolk's of the world mm. from the Ravi Zacharias's of the world in theology in psychology from the Bessel van der Kolk's of the world in politics, I like to l learn from the framers that established this form of civil government, unlike anything the world has ever seen, founded on principles of what? Of individual self-government. Mm -hmm. yep. Individual self-government is fundamental for people to leverage liberty so they can live free. So these principles of of thinking and reasoning are really what I impart to people. Mm -hmm. And I help them leverage these things that are true and relevant to do what? To change the whole framework of their life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I get results quickly. Yeah. So can we, for, for the people who are listening, who are still, <clears throat> they know what rest is now, mm -hmm. but they're still not sure, well, what was it? My childhood wasn't that traumatic. Why do I have all these things going on? Mm -hmm. Because as you mentioned earlier, there's spectrums of trauma. And mm -hmm. I, I thought it was fascinating that you just said, we come into this world 97% uncoded. So that means we're coming into this world ready to just absorb and adapt and to whatever's going right. on. And that never changes, by the way. We but sometimes we think because we had a traumatic childhood. And then we made a bunch of decisions that violated our own conscience. We let ourselves down. And it didn't stop there. In college, it just got a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And now here I am married and I have a family and everything I felt as a child just keeps compounding. That's scenario number one. Scenario number two is the same, except we never stopped partying. We never stopped doing what we wanted to. We never just stopped pursuing the career, the money, the thing. And we're hollow. We're empty. We're lonely. And we need 
we desire the family, the marriage, and, you know, all that. I mean, pretty much those are kind of the spectrums. We don't have the family we always dreamt of and we want, or we want a family we don't have that we always dreamt of, right? Mm. Both things can be changed like that. Both worldviews, perspectives can be changed at the drop of the hat. Mm-hmm. How you individually, and this is much of what I did with you, you individually stepping into a place of rest, relational, emotional, and spiritual truth. So you can reconcile the conflict within yourself. Mm-hmm. And then um, reconcile your view of God, your view of eternity. You've got to reconcile that. You know why? Because you're living in a temporal place with an eternal rudder, mm-hmm. if you will. And if the, it's a spiritual thing, the rudder is kind of like the soul, right? But with this eternal part constituent to your, one third of you is never going to die. And there's so much on that. Go Google, go to YouTube. I would refer everyone to um, Eben, Dr. Eben Alexander, Harvard neuroscientist. I'm a neuro, my background's in neuroscience. That's what I love and I always bring that to bear, but that's what I would refer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does he have some books? Did you, you mentioned YouTube? Is Everything. He on YouTube? YouTube. Okay. Specifically, sure. if you don't have a lot of time, NBC interview with Eben, Dr. Eben Alexander. It's a short seven minute segment on after life experiences. Mm, wow. Okay. I'll make sure I link it. Captivating. The, the reason I like to link everyone refer everyone to that because he pretty much takes the whole narrative of what we've been discussing and brings it to bear Hmm. in one brief experience when the spirit leaves the body wow so i'd like to prepare people not even prepare people for that i want to help people experience the beauty and the joy of what's sacred about our common humanity and i want to change the mindset from attacking and assaulting and defeating each other to coming along each other and inviting each other into a place of rest. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. I'm more of an educator than anything else. Absolutely. I mean, it's just exactly what you've been saying is our body knows. Our body knows what the conflict is, but we don't live in our body anymore. We live in our heads. That's right. And our heads don't listen. We, we were never taught mm-hmm. to listen to our body, or if we are, we're taught to medicate it and beat mm-hmm. those symptoms down with something. That, and can I say, even beyond our head, can I tell you where the beat down happens? It happens in your mind. Because the mind wants to protect the heart. But okay. if you look mm-hmm. at your mind, right, in your soul, and we'll have to do a whole segment on this because this there's a complexity here. In your soul, you know, people make that heart sign. Mm. If you put that heart sign in the middle of your chest, you have your mind, your will, your your mind, your heart, then your will, your feelings, and your conscience, right? That's where things get concealed to protect Mm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this is where the nuance of our own depravity, we all know we're broken inside. We all know we need to reconcile stuff. And we all know there's something bigger than us. But 
we don't want anything bigger than us telling us what to do and how to do it. And that's another bigger conversation. But when we can still reconcile the conversation between that internal conflict and the stories that we carry, there's this beautiful humility that emerges and sensitivity and softness. Mm -hmm. I have sat across the most complicated, profoundly tormented human beings. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've just prayed and I've cried out to God and honestly saying, you know, the secrets of that heart, Mm -hmm. you know, the secrets of my heart, you know, the secrets of this heart. Would you reveal it to that person? Would you give me the wisdom to invite them into this place of rest so they can reconcile that internal conversation they must have with themselves and you? Mm-hmm. And once that happens, Leanne, I'm telling you, I see miracles wow. all the time. Yeah. And so I want to I wanna get really specific here real quick because, again, I think when we hear something like childhood trauma, people think to themselves sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, maybe a parent left, but they don't necessarily think of, maybe they look back and they're like, well, my parents were happily married. There wasn't a lot of conflict going on, but I still feel this dis-ease inside. What is that? Am I just broken inherently? And so I'll give an example from my own life. So for example, it could be something as simple as I give, I give the example of um, things I picked up from childhood, just subconsciously, again, based on almost a survival mechanism. So there, was, you know, there wasn't any crazy trauma in my childhood, but my parents fought before they were divorced when we were young. And I was very young. I mean, one to four years old basically was that time. Mm-hmm. But I absorbed so much. And what I learned, what I realized now as an adult, is that I subconsciously picked up this idea that... If you see an argument about to emerge, you just withdraw and you do whatever you need to do mm-hmm. to avoid that argument, to avoid that explosion. Mm-hmm. And I now as an adult can see how that has played out throughout my entire life of why am I so conflict avoidant? Mm-hmm. Why am I so afraid of, you know, if someone starts raising their voice, why does it make me so uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And so it's little things like that that I think people don't always realize there is a root cause to that. There is. Anytime something like that is coming up, it can be rooted in something, even if it's not one specific heavily traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. What a great segment to close on. Thank you. Let's make it all very practical. Mm -hmm. What you just described is exactly what trans, it, it, it gives us a little window into what transpired in the womb for you. When that egg and that sperm connect, that's two worlds merging into Mm -hmm. another world. Two constitutions emerging to make a new constitution. And that new constitution that's you, remember, Mm -hmm. 97% of it is in flux, okay? What takes place in that flux, in my opinion, right? But what happens in that is complex, and it's more than we can discuss in a segment. But I want to just cut to the chase and say this. 
you learned how to respond to everything in that ecosystem according to how they loved each other and how you're loved. According to the work of Dr. Homer, the founder of German New Medicine, the psychology of the parents becomes the biology of the child. Wow. So your constitution now has a complexity to it, which is a beautiful complexity. I don't care where you come from. It's all beautiful. But in the dynamic of whatever was going on between mom and dad and whatever goes on between mom and dad in the home, you learned measures of response. Mm -hmm. You use that word, respond. How am I going to respond? So I'd like you to put your right hand up. And I hope everyone in your listening audience will do this because it's the easiest way I can address what you're saying. And I want you to think about every one of your five fingers, okay, Mm -hmm. as being attachment styles. Okay. This is not personality types and this has nothing to do with um, love languages. This is all attachment and I can explain it all in the context of psychoneuroimmunology and we touched on it a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So every one of your five fingers represents an attachment style. Your thumb is the victim. There's, let me read through them all first. The thumb is the victim. The index finger is the controller. The middle finger is the vacillator. The ring finger is the pleaser. And the pinky finger is the avoider. The research on this is extensive. It's been around for a long time. When I was studying, um, when I was working on my degree as a clinical um, therapist, psychologist, um, we understood this. I wasn't, it was kind of new then, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't comfortable delving into this. But 35, 40 years later, it's absolutely almost error-free. Mm-hmm. So these five attachment styles, your victim, controller, vacillator, pleaser, avoider, every single one of those attachment styles was embraced, was developed, is used by a human to adapt to whatever it's born into. The controller and the victim, the first two fingers, Mm -hmm. if you tap them together, that's the same person. If you find a person that's always a victim of a circumstance, the flip side of that sweet, innocent, darling person is a real controller. Okay, wow. If you see a controller that's kind of a little bit of a bully, underneath that is a victim. And we're not going to unwrap that. We'll do another, we'll have another conversation about how we love. Hmm. Because now that we're building on the basis of rest, we can rest. How do we love? Rest, understand your soul hunger. Rest, what are the, um, recall and heal. We'll be able to branch off mm-hmm. of this. So you have your controller and your victim. They're the same person. Those people grew up in a home there was some measure of substance abuse. And bottom line is home wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's sexual abuse. There's physical abuse sometimes. But it's just not a safe environment. The incredible anxiety and the displacement and the chaos of the parents are always managed by the children in one way or another. Wow. Then you have your vacillator, abandonment. Vacillator, abandonment. Mom or dad left, either physically, um, intentionally or not. 
-hmm. Sometimes they're gone all the time. Nobody's home. Sometimes one or the other passed away. Sometimes there's an affair involved. Whatever. Abandonment is the key word. Mm -hmm. The pleaser, hypercritical home, fear-based, hypercritical parenting. The child's always trying to manage the anxiety of the parents and be okay and be compliant to manage the stress of the parents. Mm. And then you have your avoider, independent at a young age. They were just basically completely on their own. They had to figure everything out, so they avoid. They kind of act like an island. And they're wonderful. Every, by the way, all these people, everything I'm talking about constitutes all of us, by the mm -hmm. way, right? You have pieces of all of them, but so hundred percent. So I think that's a great place to bring it to a close. So for the person who's listening to this, they've heard it. They're like, I really want to begin my healing journey. I want to find mm -hmm. rest. Where do they start? Well, one thing, it's funny you should say that. We're getting, I'm getting so many phone calls from all over the country. And actually I've had several people come from abroad to work with me, wow. work with a lot of executives and a lot of leaders of leaders and thought leaders. So you can only imagine I'm just one person. So I am, I've established a framework at Tender Hearts Enterprises at, at our company. I've established a platform where we have, obviously, I'm the director of inner healing at Center for New Medicine. So I'm at the clinic. That's one place to see me. Mm -hmm. The other place to see me is at my private office. And I have occasions of rest. And that's the most economical because I can begin to discuss rest and lay the framework of rest in such a way that they can leverage it and take it and run and apply it without spending 200 or $300 an hour in therapy. Mm -hmm. So the short answer to your question is go to virginiadixon.com and I have many resources and events where I inspire, instruct, equip, and motivate people to step into a place of rest. Mm -hmm. That's okay. the short answer. Most practically, of course, they can set up an appointment with me but now I'm booked like a month and two months out. However, I have events of rest on my calendar where I bring in small groups of people because I like results, remember? Mm -hmm. Rest is about results, right? Where I can bring in people and I have an afternoon of rest. During the afternoons of rest, we talk about why rest. And I begin to introduce this reconstitution approach to healing. And then I have a day of rest. And a day of rest is we're together 10, 12 hours at the villa mm -hmm. where we started. And here is where we really put the pedal to the metal and understand the how and the what, mm -hmm. what it is and how we do it. And of course, I have private hours. And now I'm training and developing a team to help me. Mm-hmm. Because That's I'm only wonderful. one person. I know. Yeah. Well, and you touched on earlier how it's just the state of the conscious of the world right now is just in such a place of unrest. That's right. And you're seeing it in your clients mm -hmm. in the incredible uptick of you already were getting plenty of referrals, but in the incredible uptick of referrals you've gotten mm -hmm. just since all of this, you know, the pandemic happened and mm -hmm. all of this wildness. So it's just... 
Well, and it's going to take an army. It's going to take all of us. So I want to say to your viewing, uh, to your viewing, (laughs) viewing, to your listening audience, this is humanity's finest hour. This is our generation's finest hour. Hmm. Because we can invite people into this place of rest to reconcile the confusion, the chaos, and the dis-ease within ourselves. Our view of reality, eternity, and our relationships with each other. And then we can, once we do that, we have no judgment or condemnation because that leaves us in a state of humility and strength. And that's the energy I think you feel when you come into my mm-hmm, presence. Absolutely. Because it's grounded in the freedom I live with because I've leveraged the liberty that of what liberty is an internal function of the soul. There is no freedom without liberty. When a person can reconcile the internal conflict within themselves and within their constituents, their mind, the heart, their will, their conscience, guess what? They have the courage to go examine the foundations that shape their life. And that gives, and all of it is the virtue to explore the truth of all these things. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. That is the power that you feel and that people feel. That's why I get results Mm -hmm. because I don't have to diagnose, treat, or cure. And the thing I love about rest, nobody can sell you a pill. Nobody can sell you anything. You are the source of the energy. The next interview I have, the next podcast is on this very topic their energy to have a healthy mind is all rooted in our capacity to leverage these truths. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's it so is wonderful. such an honor to be with you. And you're just such a beautiful person, Leanne, inside and out. And I, I have to say, and it's hard not to get choked up, but um, you brought me such joy. Look, everybody, I love working with everyone. But you specifically brought me such joy because I felt the same energy in you. Mm. And I thought this girl is just going to soar with the eagles. And you're the voice of a generation. And I'm thankful that um, I was able to do this interview with you because I want you to take the message of rest and leverage it to bring other to invite other people into this community of healing Mm -hmm. yeah thank you so much for saying that well like i said the the energy is completely reflected anytime i'm in your presence it is just it's freedom and it's peace and it's rest so i'm so grateful i know this is going to be just incredibly expansive for so many people i hope i want to invite everyone this can be overwhelming and i know there's a lot to me because there's a lot to all this but I said absolutely nothing that everyone listening to us doesn't already know they know this they don't fully understand it and understanding remembers a function of the soul and that's what we need to reconcile and it, it would be a privilege and an honor to have people join us if you go to virginiadixon.com and just register for one of the events of rest mm-hmm. that's the best thing you can do Many, many people come and they just take off. They don't need me anymore because I resource them with so many amazing Mm. things and I want them to go run. Why? Because to your point, our nation is in a state of of unrest. We need people to do this work. 
mm-hmm. we can turn this thing around absolutely and i promise you guys you want to go to the villa i told her <laughs> I, we're recording here today and i'm i was like crossing my fingers hoping you wanted to record at the villa because it's like a little trip to italy when you come here i just yes. it's an escape from the world but again just so so healing so thank you so much and again there's so many more topics we can cover in the future and i cannot wait there is thank you leanne god bless you yes thank you very much